0: Hey, good morning, folks. That was some good singing, y'all did. I know it's a little bit smaller group here at our 9 a.m. meeting, but um, we carried a pretty good punch there. It's good to see you today. My wife and I were away last week. Um, We were celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. We were in Florida. I would say that we missed you. Um, Last Sunday, though, when we looked back and saw that you had snow and wind... Um, We missed you in a way that we wanted you to come and visit us. But we didn't miss you the other way where we would come back home quite uh, yet. Um, uh, You're welcome for the warm weather that we brought back from Florida with us. It is a treat, isn't it? And we'll take it as long as we can get it here in northern Michigan. Hey, uh, I want to welcome also our online church family It's always good to have you check in with us week after week, and some people aren't able to be with us. For various reasons, some of you are away right now on vacation, and I just want to say a big hello to you. We love you, whether you're on Facebook or on YouTube or through our website. It's always a treat to have you as a part of our ministry. Now, I want to invite you, as well as those in the facility right now, Could we all just grab connection cards? I I would love to be able to have us connect together for just a moment. If you're online, there's ways uh, for you to be able to click on a connection card. I think it's a little bit tougher on the YouTube version, but um, inside, obviously, there's cards in the the seat in front of you or right online, there's ways to connect on a connection card. We would love to know that you're here. We would love to understand any prayer items that you have, anything that we could understand about you, anything that's going on. Uh, This would be important for us to be able to stay in touch with you. So please go ahead and do that. I want to communicate also, as I told you a couple weeks ago, let's do what we can to stay healthy, let's be proactive. And, and, and this isn't heard as much There's a lot of reactive things we're hearing about today, so could we be proactive? And I'm just, I'm not um, a doctor, you know, I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, I don't have any special credentials to be able to tell you anything, um, but my wife and I, we're, we're actually taking these airborne gummies, and the gummies don't make it sound too masculine, do they? <laughs> Um, but we're, we're doing those things right now with vitamin C and different things like that. When we were in Florida, we walked probably five miles a day. And with this warm weather right now, we need to take advantage of being outside. If you're not outside this afternoon, an elder or deacon is going to knock on your door and, uh, and get you up and move you outside. You need to be outside. You need to breathe that air you know, we need to do what we can to be proactive to um, take care of ourselves. Today I am uh, wearing a mask, and, um, and basically it's because I was out of state. And I'm just, I'm just going to do that in deference to, to those that may have some concerns about that. But I'm feeling good, and it's good to be back home and to be with you. So whether you have a copy of the Scriptures or an electronic device let's turn to hebrews chapter 10 hebrews chapter 10 would you do that if you're online there are a number of ways for you to connect with hebrews chapter 10 especially if you're on our church online presence on our website there are some special ways to get on that passage but hebrews chapter 10 for everyone now how often do you repeat yourselves if you have kids you repeat yourselves a lot if you have a husband you repeat yourselves a lot wives amen oh yeah it's true it's true you know we repeat ourselves a lot you know over 25 years of marriage for my wife and i there are a number of times where my wife has had to repeat herself and help me understand some things I remember sometimes were more significant than others i remember mentioning one time to some of you in the past probably the most significant time that she repeated herself and i still didn't listen my wife told me do not she was going away for for a week and she told me when you use the washing machine do not set it on extra large load and when she mentioned that to me And all I heard was, when you use the washer machine, blah, 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 blah. That's all I heard, And, and it just went right out. And I'll never forget, on a Sunday morning, one of my kids wet the bed. This is obviously many years ago, just to dispel any rumors. One of my kids wet the bed. I was in just mass panic. I grabbed the sheets, I threw them in there, I turned it on an extra-large load, and I went up and took a shower. And when I came down 15 minutes later, the water had come out of the washing machine, was through the laundry room, was through the dining room, was through the kitchen, and was going through the floor down into the basement. And now I realized I should have listened. Sometimes we repeat ourselves... Because it's very significant there's there's things that we're repeating ourselves right now I, I'll call up my kids my driving age kids and this is what I'm telling them right now I'm saying you know what look out for and, and they're gonna know what I'm just about to say Look out for deer. This is what I'm telling them, my driving age kids look out for deer They're all over the place And and then I'll tell them this <clears throat> I'll say you know what? And they could probably come up here and tell you what I I say. I say, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Don't swerve. Because they're making more cars, and they're making more deer, but they're not making more you. So stay in your lane, and don't worry about it. Sometimes we repeat ourselves because it's significant. You know, when, when we repeat ourselves, we, we do so because what we have to say is very, very important. It's important to us. It's important to them. Here's, here's the deal. Think about it. To not hear what we're about to say could be detrimental. It could be significant. It could be critical to the one that we are talking to and so that is exactly why we end up repeating it and sometimes even after repeating it it still doesn't stick and So here we are in Hebrews 10 and I'm just gonna come out and tell you the writer of Hebrews Has this habit through chapter 7 8 9 and 10 he's repeated himself And there's a reason why, because what he has to say is critical. What he has to say is so valuable. So let's just do a few reminders as you're right there. Here's a few reminders for us. Number one, he's writing to Jews, and here's why this is significant. These are people who tried to obey God through laws, and they would make sacrifices of bulls and goats in order to please God and turn away his wrath for the sins that they had committed and at one point they had believed in jesus so they had understood that jesus was the sacrifice for their sin not the bulls not the goats and they trusted in jesus christ to die on the cross for their sin however they were at this critical stage right now of turning back their trust they were wondering should we stay with jesus or do we turn back and Put our reliance in bulls goats sacrifices thinking maybe that's where our trust should be for the atonement of our sin and so the writer steps in and grabs their attention and he says your trust is in Jesus Jesus is superior to the law Jesus is superior to the sacrifices and one of my favorite verses I'm gonna pop it up on the screen for you right now one of my favorite verses of all of Hebrews is this. It says, he did not enter, that's speaking of Jesus, by means of the blood of goats and calves. But he entered the most holy place. And here's the phrases, folks. These are the phrases, and he says them here, and he's going to repeat them again in chapter 10. But he entered the most holy place Once for all. Would you say that with me? Once for all. By his own blood, thus obtaining, and here's the other critical phrase, eternal redemption. Once for all. Now here's the deal. They had never heard of such a thing. Their sacrifices were not once for all. They were once for once. Think about it. They showed up and they sacrificed today for yesterday's sin. That's all that it was. And then they sinned again, and so they would have to show up tomorrow for today's sin. They had never understood anything like this ever before. And so here they showed up perpetually for the sins that they had committed the day before, And Jesus did this once for all. And and so I know some people are thinking, once for all? But Pastor, you don't know what I've done. And my question for you is, does that sin fit in the word all? He died once for all. Some people may be saying right now, whether online or in this room, I ruined my marriage. He died once for all. I've been an addict. He died once for all. My reputation is shot. He died once for all. And this is the beauty that these people never understood in the past with their sacrificial system. Here's the next thing. Eternal redemption in here. And this is all by way of reminder. Eternal redemption. This was mind-blowing for the Jew because their sacrificial system had an expiration date. It lasted until the next sin. Just think about that. This reality that Jesus' sacrifice brought eternal redemption. I mean, no end. That, That was just mesmerizing you know and some people say but pastor i've been away from god for years eternal redemption you don't need to renew it you don't need to go back to repentance you don't need to hit reset or start all over again at redemption like they did day after day after day Once for all, eternal redemption because Jesus being our perfect priest and perfect sacrifice for sin, he did it all. And if the writer didn't say it enough in chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9, guess what he's going to say in chapter 10? One more reminder for us. And here we go. Chapter 10. It is so good. This is just the icing on the cake and so here we go, chapter 10. I'm going to give you these special reminders from the text. It's not terribly complicated. We're going to move through. And then, friends, we got to talk about the application at the end because this means something for all of us in this room here this morning. Here's, here's the big deal from the text. Number one, this is the primary point. This is the main thrust of all of this. The law and the sacrifices could never do what Jesus did. The law and the sacrifices could never do what Jesus did. Verses 1 to 4. Can I just read that for a moment? Would you look in your copy of the scriptures, whether you have it online or in paper? Let me read that for you. Verses 1 to 4, and I'm reading out of the New International Version. This is what it says The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated, Endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed, here's our phrase, once for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So here we go. The main thrust of the whole section of 1 to 18 is the law and sacrifices could never do what Jesus did. And I'm going to give you three thoughts from these first four verses. Write these down if you would. These are really significant. Number one, under the law and sacrifices could never do what Jesus did. They were just a shadow. So what purpose did they prove? What, why were they there? They were just a shadow of what was coming. And you notice he mentions that in verse 1. The law is only a shadow. It is just a phantom. It's just a trace of the good things that are coming. And he mentions they were never intended to be the finished product. The law and the sacrifices were never intended to be the final product of God for the people. They were just something that visualized what was coming, the greater thing that was coming. They were setting up exactly who they were looking for, and that is Jesus Christ. They were never set up to fully remedy our sin, but they were there to set up the one who could. I love the argument then that he gives in verse 2. Now notice what it says. It says, otherwise would they not have stopped being offered because the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all. So if they did work, think about this. If they did work, if the sacrifices did work, then there would have been no need to repeat them. And so this is the second argument he gives, and I love it. If they did work, you wouldn't have to repeat them. It's an excellent argument. If performing the sacrifices were effective for the worshiper, those that drew near to God, there wouldn't be a need to continue them. And remember our phrase, once for all. That phrase, once for all, if they worked, the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer feel guilty for their sins. They didn't. They woke up the next day, new sins on their account, and they had to go back and do sacrifices over and over and over again. Here's the third thing from this section of verses, and I love it. Observers sacrificed in remembrance of their sins. This is something that we need to capture for a second together. This phrase has some significance to it. If you notice in verses 3 and 4, he says those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. So think about it. Every time these people sacrificed... It reminded them that they're they're sinners. Every time they went back and put that bull on the altar, it reminded them that their sin account had accrued again. Every time that they went back to the sacrificial system, it reminded them that last year's sacrifice was unable to fully atone it reminded them that there was sin still left on their account with God all of these reminders that's exactly what the sacrifices did it was a reminder you know what you need to come back next year because this isn't the end you'll have to come back again and take care of your sins all over again so he mentions Those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. I'm going to give you something that's just fantastic this morning. This is the same exact word, reminder, that Jesus uses in the Gospels and Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 11 when he mentions this about the Lord's table. Because he says, I want you to take this bread and take this cup. Now, are you with me on this? And he says, because as often as you take the bread and take the cup, what does he say? You do this in remembrance of me. This is just fantastic. Because think about it. When they did their sacrifices, it reminded them, I'm going to have to come back next year. There's sin still on my account. This is unable to take care of my sin fully. And when we get together as a church family and we grab the bread and when we grab the cup, you know what it reminds us of? That Jesus Christ has taken care of all of our sin and it's gone it's not a reminder that there's sin remaining on our account it's a reminder that jesus paid it all and all to him i owe that sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow It's a reminder that we don't need another sacrifice for our sin. That we don't have to keep all the law to be right with God. And so observers of the sacrifice perform their sacrifice in remembrance of their sin, but we, the believer in Jesus, partake of the Lord's table, and we take in remembrance of Jesus, and we remember that our sin is gone. And the only way that happens is by the once for all eternal redemption of jesus christ that eternal redemption it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats it wasn't trying to impress god by keeping the law the only way the only way is through the sacrifice of jesus when he bore the punishment of god for our sin i get an amen out of that That's the true remembrance. One, it reminded them that it wasn't working. We remember today it works. It's all because of Jesus Christ. It reminds me of that that hymn that I grew up on, kind of a ballad form, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. You know that song? I know there's few of us here today Um, Let's try it together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. Oh, precious is the f- That makes me white as snow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood f- of Jesus. That's where it's at, folks. The law and the sacrifices could never do what Jesus did. Let me give you the rest here, and then we'll finish up. So this is supported. Let's go down through the rest of the text. This is supported, verses 5 to 10, by the words of Jesus. It says, therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said. I want to tell you, this is a quote from Psalm 40. So this would be a messianic psalm. So the words that we read there, they're attributing to Jesus, the Messiah. And so here's what it says. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But a body you prepared for me. So this is supporting What he just talked about, you know, he's not looking to to improve the sacrifices. He's not looking to come to adjust the sacrificial system or correct it or make the sacrificial system better from the Old Testament. So he said, the sacrifices and offerings you didn't desire, but a body you prepared for me, for Jesus and then he mentions, verse 6, with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. You didn't want those anymore. Then Jesus said, "Then here I, he said, here I am, it is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, my God. So verse 8 is the explanation, he says, first he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings, Sin offerings you did not desire, you were not pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law, and certainly they did what God had said. Then verse 9 and 10, he says, But here I am, I have come to do your will, and he sets aside the first. He sets aside the sacrificial system to establish the second, which is his sacrifice for us. And by that will, by that sacrifice, we have been made holy Through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Remember, I talked about repeating. He repeats himself. He said it in chapter 9, once for all. He said it earlier in chapter 10, once for all. And notice again at the end of verse 10. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He just nails it right out there. So this is supported, this whole concept that the law and the sacrifices could never do what Jesus did. It's supported by the words of Jesus in that messianic psalm. And then it's also supported by a very vivid analogy. And I love this in verses 11 through 14. So consider this analogy. It's a day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So imagine this, every priest coming out and doing these offerings every day. And he's expressing, here's the futility of this visual. And they could see it. These Jews could see it. They could smell it. Every sense that they had, they could hear the crisping of the, of the logs on the altar. They could hear even the bladding of the animals. Everything they could hear. <clears throat> and imagine the thousands and thousands and thousands of sacrifices that happened over the course of a year. And all of this visual that came to them. And he says, day after day, all of these things happened But they could never take away sins. But notice verse 12, but when this priest, now these words are just riveting, but when this priest had offered for all time, now you got to see these words, folks, for all time, now this was just something that was off their radar because this was something that they came back to every day, day after day. But here Jesus came and one time, one sacrifice for sins. Then he sat down and it was done. For by one sacrifice, verse 14, he has made And this is just something that would also torch their thinking. He made them perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. Every day they were hoping maybe my sin could be atoned for, and Jesus, by his sacrifice, made them perfect forever. And I want you to just take a moment right now and turn and look at the person next to you and imagine in your mind perfect forever that's a tough one isn't it perfect forever and jesus christ by his one sacrifice for all time has made us perfect with god right with god and has cared for our acceptance with God by his sacrifice on the cross for our sin. And so not only is this whole understanding about the laws and sacrifices could never do what Jesus did, supported by the words of Jesus, by a vivid analogy, it's also supported by, and we've heard this in our study many times, by the words of the new covenant and Verses 15 through 18. The Holy Spirit testifies to us about this. First it says, this is the covenant I will make with them. This is a quote from Jeremiah 33. We've studied this back in chapter 8. After that time, says the Lord, I'll put my laws in their heart. I'll write them on their minds. Then he adds, and here's the beauty. Their sins, their lawless acts, I will remember no more. Phenomenal. I'm going to put it on their heart. This isn't an external thing anymore. I'm going to put it in them. And instead of them having to come back to atone daily, I'm going to forgive their sins forever because of Jesus Christ. It's all going to be gone. And then I love this. Look at verse 18. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Can you imagine that? What would that do for the Jew? Who every day they had to go back, every day. He says, you know what, you don't don't have to go back anymore. You don't have to, Jesus took care of it. It's all gone. Now what does this mean for us? How should this affect me? And this is what I want to talk to you about and together about for the next few minutes. And I want to get personal here for, for a couple moments. If the Jews' daily sacrifices, just think, if there's sacrifices, if they're incense, if there's ceremonies, if they're rituals, if all of that every day never took care of their sin, and it didn't. What can we do apart from Jesus Christ? to gain our once-for-all eternal redemption. Just think about it. You know, I hear people say, um, well, I go to church. (laughs) Really? Do we think that's going to atone for all of our sin? If these people sacrificed animals and burned incense and did ceremonies and rituals... And that didn't atone. I attend church. Or some people say, I'm a, I'm a good person. Or I donated money, or I gave time to good causes. Or some people say, you know, I'm instructed, I say so many Hail Marys, or so many Our Fathers, or I move my rosary beads. And these are ways that I do penance. Or some people say, and if it's not enough, then I go to purgatory. And hopefully through all of these things, I can atone for my sin. If the Jews... Immensely involved sacrificial system did nothing to truly forgive and restore standing with God. You know what? Those things are puny efforts. They're puny efforts. And all of our efforts and penance fail as well. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves. I'm here to say, and folks, I need to say it. The only way, the only way for our sin to be fully forgiven, the only way, is through Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross for us. Amen? That is the only way. If there were another way, we would have found it. And no matter where you are, just coming to understand Jesus or newer in your journey with Jesus or maybe you've been a long time along trusting in Jesus, I want to repeat, just like the writer of Hebrews, these phrases that folks, we need to embrace and love today. Can we do these Here's the phrases of Hebrews. Repeat them after me, would you? Once for all. Ready? Once. Wow. Isn't that awesome? We've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. All our sin, all our guilt, all our shame. All on Jesus when he bore God's wrath for our wrong. Here's another repeated phrase in Hebrews. Repeated after me. For all time. Ready? For wow. Isn't that great? Whatever you screwed up with as a kiddo. Whatever you did yesterday, whatever you do tomorrow, Jesus poured His blood over with His sacrifice on the cross. His sacrifice has no limit. Has no limit of duration. You're covered past, present, and future. And then here's the last one. Perfect forever. Ready? Perfect forever. Uh, perfect forever. No matter what you've done once for all, no matter when you did it for all time, you're always accepted by God. Perfect forever. If you trust and rely solely in Jesus' sacrifice and substitutionary death on the cross for you make it personal believe that jesus died for you and i want to finish up with one last thing christian believer in jesus here's here's the thing for us the first one is embrace christ alone the second one let's spread humility and i, I want us to think about this christian your acceptance by god doesn't change after you trust christ just think about it it's not acceptance by christ's death but then it switches to acceptance by your works after salvation you realize that religion says <clears throat> do these rites, adhere to stricter laws and rules and you'll be closer to god and more accepted by god it's, it's interesting i grew up in a type of a church you were saved by grace but then after you're saved it's like you've got to do all these things if you're to be accepted that's the way that's the way the cookie crumbled in the church I grew up in. in fact they had so many rules they had it all figured out they knew exactly exactly what you were supposed to wear I mean exactly they knew exactly how your hair was supposed to be styled you know how men how long it could be you know I have no way of going against that law anymore in my life. I'm forever abiding by it. They knew exactly the type of music you were supposed to listen to, right down to the finest detail. They knew everything that was supposed to be. The extra mile to earn God's most favored status was narrowed down to an envoyable standard of external activity. And for years I relied on my personal effort to please God with my rules. Sure, saved by grace, saved by Jesus, sacrifice for me, but then my acceptance with God turned into my ability to please him with my rules afterward. Until a pastor friend and mentor pulled me aside and filleted me with a question. Here's what he said. Think about it for yourself. He said, Brian, two men walk into church. At first I thought it was a joke. It sounds like one, doesn't it? He says, Two men walk into church. He said, The first one is wearing a three piece suit. He says, Has a King James Bible under his arm, Schofield edition has his hair beautifully styled, shoes perfectly shined, his tithing envelope sticking out of the end of his Bible. And he walks down and he sits three rows from the front. Second guy walks in, jeans, T-shirt, hair over his ears, beard, a little bit longer, flip-flops. His iPhone, no Bible, and you don't see a tithing envelope. And he sits three rows from the back, which in our church would be like the balcony people Those are rough folks up there, amen? I know, amen. Let's have a moment of silent prayer for them if we could. And then he says to me, he says, which one's closer to God? Which one's closer to God? And I'm telling you, instantly my mind was making a decision and he, and he says to me, he says, Brian, if you're about to choose, <clears throat> he says, I want you to know I haven't mentioned a single quality yet from the Bible. And then he said, Brian, your approval by God is only and always because of Jesus Christ. Always. And he says, it's this word, it's called grace. Grace. And he said, in any thought that God approves of us more because of our special rules is called pride. Now, you can wear a suit, you can have your hair decked out, you can have a Schofield Bible. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But he stressed, church should be the most humble gracious and loving group of people on the planet because we are all approved only and always because of jesus christ not because of works that we have done so spread humility spread humility would you stand with me and i want you to think in the quiet Do you embrace Christ alone? Would you close your eyes? Are these words yours? Once for all, for all time, perfect forever. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus died for all of your sin? And if not, you need to do business with him today. You need to... You need to confess to him, Jesus, God, I know that I'm wrong. I know I've sinned. My relationship with God is separate. But I know that Jesus, you died on the cross for all my sin, for all time, to make me accepted by God forever. I believe it. I claim it. Forgive me. Make me your child. Express that to God. Embrace it. And believer, that's our only way. Forever. Spread humility in this place and outside. There's nothing that makes us superior to others because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Father, today we elevate Jesus Christ. Thank you for the reminder and the repetition of the writer of Hebrews because we need to hear it again. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about the cross. It's all about the good news of the gospel that he's given us, that we've been set free once for all, for all time, eternally. We lift him up. We thank you for him. Help us to spread that in our world. We pray this, God, in Jesus' name. All the church said, Amen. Amen.